Good morning, everybody. I'm a highly emotional person. Uh, Samantha's the emotionally stable person in our family. So thankfully, masculinity is not defined by anything related to that. Otherwise, I'd be in trouble. Maybe that's why I grow this beard to compensate. Like, I'm a real man. Look at my face. (laughs) Um, I do want to say this real quick. Um, Samantha and I have always counted it a privilege every day that we've spent here. And we probably had, we probably had like a year and a half of, um, I would say, at least for me, it was turmoil of being in a place of transition where we knew there was some place that God wanted us and we had no idea where that was. And it was driving us crazy. And we were in Columbia, South Carolina. And I did not like that city. And I'm just being honest before the Lord. Like, I didn't like being there. I was like, Lord, rescue me, please. Take me out of Egypt. I need to get out of here. And so we were seeking the Lord. And we knew that the Lord was calling us to plant in um, the North Myrtle Beach, Little River area. Uh, But we just didn't know. Uh, we just didn't know where we were supposed to go next. And when God directed us to come here, it was an amazing privilege. We felt so honored. And we have, I believe, carried that through. This is a privilege. And I will tell you, Reach is a legit family. And I've been in many churches that are not families. And I tell our core team, we have to be a family because that's the only way this happens. When you open up the word, church is not a place you go to experience some sort of program. Church is a place where you encounter the living God through people who genuinely care for you. And that's what this place has been. So if you're visiting this morning, I'm going to shamelessly uh, plug this place and say this is a safe a wonderful and a powerful place to grow. And there are people here that are willing and able to love you, to help you, and to partner with you. No one has to do this life alone. So, all right. Wow, okay. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) I love that. All right. Um, Well, before before I get started... Um, I, I don't want to start on a heavy note, but I literally feel like I cannot preach um, or present the word without us praying about um, what happened yesterday um, with the synagogue, um, without, um, you know, the things being sent in mail. Um, and um, we are in we are in evil days, y'all. I don't know if you can sense that there's an acceleration. The good news is. As darkness accelerates, your light is brighter, okay? Which is the, the crux of this sermon. It's, it's so key for this season. And so I, I don't want to start in a heavy place, but we kind of have to because I can't ignore that. Can't ignore 11 families that are absolutely devastated. Can't ignore that. And so let's pray. And as we're sitting here, I don't know what's going on in your life, but um, there's such devastation going on. And we don't want to forget about those people. Lord, we just want to lift up our country to you. We want to lift up this broken world that we find ourselves in. 
And Lord, we, we just plead for your mercy. We, we pray protection over families, over children. We pray for the families that are hurting this morning. They're devastated. Um, they've lost people that are so near and so close. So we, we want to remember them this morning. And we want to just pause and we just want to pray, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on our country, Lord. There's so much darkness, but there's so much potential for light. We love you. Lord, I pray that as I share the word, that your voice would be crisp, it would be clear, that I would share everything that you want me to share. And if there's something I'm planning on sharing that you don't want me to, then Lord, please just take that part out and let me share your heart and your passion, because we know time truly is running out. And the time is now for us to encounter your truth and to share it with others. We commit this word to you. I pray, Lord, that you would make my heart ready to share. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I am calling this sermon a prayer for reach, a prayer for reach. Um, I'm selfishly hoping that <laughs> not only will you, you all understand what I'm going to be praying for reach, but that y'all would pray it for us. Okay. If that sounds like I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. Maybe it is. I really want you guys to pray this for me too. Okay. So anyway, I'm going to be praying this for y'all. This sermon's called a prayer for reach, but it's really a prayer for anyone um, who is walking with Christ and wants to make an impact. So um, we're in Second Thessalonians, and we're going to be reading through the whole chapter, chapter 1. We're going to be focusing mainly on the end of the chapter, the prayer that Paul shares. We're going to go over the whole thing. Um, starting in verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions, and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to you, who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints. And to be marveled at among all 
who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a letter written by three people, Paul, Silvanus, who's also known as Silas. All right, Silvanus was his nickname, just like he decided to give me the nickname The Beard. Okay, but I'm very separate from my beard, but that's my nickname, right? So Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy wrote this letter to the church in Thessalonica. And what's interesting, after saying hello, there's two things that Paul acknowledges here, for simplicity's sake, I'm just going to say Paul, because I think he's the main one that wrote it. Um, but um, there's two things of, about this church that he acknowledges, okay, in verse 3. He acknowledges that their faith is growing abundantly. And then he says that their love, the love that they have for each other, is increasing, And then he makes a confession that I find is very interesting. He admits that he boasts, in verse 4, he boasts about this church to other churches. He's bragging on them. He's like, listen, Nate, this church is not giving up. This church is going through persecutions and afflictions. And the more they go through, their faith just keeps growing. It's crazy. These are crazy people. Their faith is growing. Their love is increasing, even though they've got all this stuff going on. Now, this is very personal to Paul and Silas, particularly, because two years before this was written, they literally planted this church. They come to a city called Thessalonica, and for a handful of weeks, They literally plant a brand new church in Thessalonica, and it gets really intense. And the people there are really upset about what's happening because lots of people are joining the church, and the people decide, hey, like, we're done with this, we're sick of this, we want Paul, we want Silas, we want to kill these dudes, right? (laughs) We want to get rid of these guys, we're sick of them doing this to Thessalonica, they're turning this city upside down they're angry at the church but paul and silas unbeknownst to the crowd had already left town they were going to a place called berea and so they weren't even there anymore and the crowds are getting really riled up they go to this dude's house named jason hi jason love you you got a good name they went to the house of a guy named Jason, who's he's one of these people that are one of the first members of this church. And he had actually been housing Paul and Silas. They go to his house and they grab him and some of the other people, the church. And they're like, where's Paul and Silas? We're sick of you guys. And they drag them through the streets. OK, this isn't 2018. Like, you know, here, let's go. Let's guide you. I mean, these are angry people that feel like the church is ruining their city. They're dragging them on the ground and the dirt and the pebbles. Jason and the church leaders just getting dragged on the ground, and they're sent to court on very bogus charges. 
And they actually give some of the same charges that a lot of times the early church got where they're like, they're proclaiming a new king and they're trying to build this case so that they could literally kill poor Jason and these church members. This is the beginning of the church in Thessalonica. It's only a couple weeks old. They've already gotten death threats. They already got dragged on the street, right? This is their church. And two years later, it wasn't any better. They had persecutions and afflictions coming at them so constantly that Paul, throughout this letter, is having to comfort them. We don't know specifically what persecutions and afflictions they're going through, but I'm sure all these letters have another side to them. The churches are writing to Paul. We don't know what those specific things are. We know they're rough, though, because Paul has a very high persecution tolerance, right? He was like shipwrecked. He was like he had been beaten pretty much to death multiple times. He has a very high bar of what persecution is. And even Paul is like, you guys have had it rough. And your faith is still growing and your love is still increasing. They're getting attacked all over the place. And he's like, he's like, listen, I, I brag about you guys. Like when I go to Corinth, I'm like, you guys are cool, but in Thessalonica, like, they got dragged in, like, the third week, you know, like, and they still are standing strong. Like, they were bragging. He loved these people. He got to know them over a matter of weeks, and he loved these people, and he was amazed that they didn't give up. He was amazed that they kept going strong. Their faith was growing. Their love was increasing. Then Paul spends verses 5 to 10 going over uh, some doctrinal things. He teaches them in verse 5 about affliction. He begins teaching them about the second coming of Christ. This church had a lot of false teaching in it about Jesus coming back and the resurrection and all that sort of thing. So he talked about Jesus coming back. He talked about the judgment at the end of the age, that this is a gospel that needs to be taken seriously because every person is going to have to give an account someday. So he's going over that. And then in verse 11 which is where our focus is going to be today. He shares a very interesting prayer request with him. He's like sharing, you know, we're thankful for you guys. Your faith is growing. Your love is increasing. You know, even though you guys are going through all these rough times, like you're sticking with it. And he teaches them some. And then in verse 11, he gives us a window really into his heart. I'm going to read it again to you. He says this. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Very interesting prayer request. I'd love to pray like Paul. So I love, I love when scripture gives us prayers and he prays for this precious church. And there's two parts. The first part is he says, I'm, pre- I'm always praying for you that you would be worthy of your calling. And the phraseology is interesting. He said that God would make you worthy of your calling. You can't make yourself worthy of your calling. May God make you worthy of your calling. I was like, hmm, 
You might be wondering, what does that mean to be worthy of your calling? In verse 5, it uses the phrase worthy of the kingdom. What does that mean? And um, I'm going to give you my theory. Okay. Um, in the parable of the kingdom where Jesus describes a treasure hidden in the field, he describes a man who finds this great treasure of infinite worth. And man sees that and says, this is the greatest thing I have ever seen. I have to have this. I'm giving everything up and I'm getting that treasure no matter what. Nothing's going to hold me back. All I want is that treasure. And Jesus tells the disciples, that is what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is like someone who sees Jesus for how wonderful he is and says, I'm not going to choose myself anymore. I'm not going to choose all of the things that I thought were important anymore. I'm choosing Jesus because he's my treasure. That's being worthy of your calling. Being worthy of your calling is when God tells you to do something and you are so in love with him that you say, of course, I'm going to do that. I'm going to surrender. Of course, I'm going to do what you're telling me. That's being worthy of your calling. That's the first part of his prayer. Paul wants this church in Thessalonica to be worthy. He wants them, another way of phrasing it, he wants them to be surrendered. Right? He wants them to say, Jesus, you're the greatest ever. Second part. And that God may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So the worthy of your calling is the first part. The second part, he talks about every resolve for good and every work of faith. Our calling is not a vocation. People think of calling as vocation. Uh, my, call, my calling is to be a pastor. My calling is to be a veterinarian. My calling is to be a teacher. My calling is this. My calling is that. When I look at the scriptures, that doesn't square up. Your vocation is part of your calling. Your calling, though, is a lot bigger than that. Your calling is all of the small things that God invites you to do to share the kingdom. That's your calling. All of the small little things, which means no one's on the bench, which means I am never any better than you. Heath is never any better than you. It doesn't matter if you're a missionary in Africa. It doesn't matter if you're a veterinarian in Oregon. That was really random. Uh, it doesn't matter, like, doesn't matter who you are, what you do. We can all partner with God in these small things. Every resolve for good. It means every good thing that the Lord puts on your heart. Like, oh, I think I should do that. It's probably not your flesh telling you to do something wonderful for the gospel. It's probably not Satan, because he's got a different program. Right? Every work of faith. These little promptings in the New Living Translation, they say, whatever your faith prompts you. Sometimes your faith is like, hey, like, look at that person. Help them with their groceries. Little faith promptings. This is what Paul wants. Now, this is what's crazy to me and mind-blowing to me. This is a church that we don't know details. 
so I don't know for sure. But they probably had people murdered in their church for being Christians. They've probably had people beaten. They probably have had homes destroyed. They've had tremendous sufferings, so much so that Paul's like, wow, y'all have it bad. Like, I was shipwrecked. They almost killed me. But, ooh, guys, ooh, that's rough. They had all that happen. And if Paul shared, if I was part of this church in Thessalonica and Paul shared this prayer request, I'd be like, listen, dude, thank you for, I'm going to be polite. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for letting me know you want me to be worthy of my calling. You, you want every resolve for good and every work of faith to be fulfilled by God. I want out of this suffering. Why is your first prayer, your main prayer, that I would be worthy when I want to be rescued? This doesn't, I mean, think of it. If there's a church going through this much persecution, our natural tendency is to say, let's pray that the persecution stops. Let's pray that they feel better. Let's pray that the death stops. Let's pray that the sickness stops. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. What I'm saying is it's weird that Paul loves these people and he's more concerned about their calling than anything else. He's more concerned about their calling than their comfort because Paul understood that literally the time is short and you can't just stand around. He understood that. I, um, when I was in high school, <laughs> embarrassing story time. <laughs> All right. When I was in high school, I liked to go to music shows and listen to bands. And I loved how cool I thought I looked. And I love my hair, and I've never had good hair. Lord bless me. Um, maybe another reason I grow this, right? Um, never have had good hair. I thought I did. And I was so cool in my own eyes. And there was a band that I really liked. They're from Massachusetts. And they didn't come to Charlotte very often. I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina. They were coming to Charlotte. I was like, this is the ultimate. This is so cool. Like, they're coming here. They're coming to my town. And so... I was excited about the show, got there super early, right? Because I had an agenda. I, I had my priorities, okay? And you might be saying, what's your priority? Well, get there super early, and i got to stand around, okay? And I've got to be noticed, okay? I've got I've to chill, and i got to be cool, you know? So, you know, there's, there's the old tactic of the lean. You know, there were big posts, and you kind of lean, there's like the lean thing. Like I made sure my hair was good. I, I wanted to look good. I was obsessed with my image. Obsessed. And I just, I just, I just knew I was cool. I was like, this is so awesome. And I'm just hanging around. I'm just chilling. I think, I think it was like 45 minutes till it even began. 45 minutes of doing nothing. And I was just so excited. I'm like, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fit in. Like those people are going to think I'm cool and that person. And all of a sudden, the side door of the music venue opens, and there's this guy that really didn't look like he belonged, okay? He just kind of had, like, this, this frumpy hoodie on, and he didn't have cool hair. He was really struggling. He was, like, bringing all this stuff into the building. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, who's that guy? <laughs> What's he doing here? <laughs> they let anybody in. I was a jerk. I promise you I was a jerk. All right, so I was literally thinking this. I was like, What's this dude doing here? What are they doing here? I was like, well, he's probably just, you know, a helper, you know, the, 
band probably, you know, gave him a little bit of money. He's like hauling equipment. Then I was like, this dude could really use some help. You know, like he's he's carrying a good bit of stuff. But like I had my own thing going on. Right. Like I I had my priorities. I have to look cool. I have to. And this might sound funny to y'all. One hundred percent. I that was my priority. I was like, I'm just going to chill here. And I was thinking, like, if I was to help this guy, I would look like such a moron. Like, there's no way I'm going to. Like, I found my pole. I'm good. I'm like, you know, you know, there's nothing to swoop, and I'm swooping. And I'm really, like, I'm loving it. And this guy gets no help, and no one else helped him, which makes sense, because why would you help this person? And then so the music show starts, and the first band plays. I didn't come here to see you. Second band plays. And then... The third band is, is the band I liked from Massachusetts. And their guitarist is on stage, and their bass guitarist is on stage, and their drummer's on stage. There's no lead singer. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm like right near the front, and I was like, I'm so stoked. I know all the lyrics, whatever is there. I'm so cool. Somebody love me. And so I was like standing up there. All of a sudden, this dude with the hoodie walks up. And I think, oh, no. The microphone's broken. They have, they have this helper like coming up to the stage. Like this is bad, you know. It's bad when you know this guy comes on stage, and then he grabs the mic, and an all too familiar voice comes out of this man, and he is the lead singer of the band. And it wasn't everyone in the show. It was a side entrance. Not everyone was there. But I tell you, I could not kick myself harder. I was like, all I cared about was my image, was looking cool, and I had a golden, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I passed on it. I leaned on a pole instead of hanging out with this lead singer. I literally impressed these dorks I'll never see again instead of hanging out with this lead singer. I was kicking myself, and I'm sure they were kicking themselves too because they were all pretending to like him now because they like his music, but they didn't like him as a person. And I I look back on that. I still regret it. (laughs) I know we're not supposed to live in regrets, and I shouldn't say that. I'm just being 100. I'm not fake here. I'm being honest. I still freaking kick myself about that. I'm like, man, you're really, dang it, you should have helped the guy. But how often do we do that in our lives? Where Jesus is moving and he's working. And any time we want, we can stop standing around and we can actually do what we're designed to do. Any moment. But we have a different list of priorities. I want to fit in. I want to be cool. I want to keep up with the Joneses. What is that person going to think? What is this person going to think? And we stand around. And we find out in this chapter... There's going to come a day when Jesus is going to come back and all of creation is going to see Jesus for who he is. And I don't want to be someone that sees him presented in front of humanity, knowing I knew it all along and I wasn't part of his team. And by part of his team, I don't mean believing in him. I mean, actually doing the fun stuff, 
the kingdom stuff. Because when you start doing kingdom stuff, that's where this gets fun. Like the religious stuff is boring. That's not what the Bible even describes. The Bible describes an adventure where there are broken people that need Jesus all around you, and you're not on the bench. It's like fifth grade again, except instead of sitting on the bench forever, I was bad at sports. Instead of sitting on the bench forever, they're actually saying, hey, come out. I want you. You've got giftings. You've got abilities. I believe in you. You've got a job to do. There are broken people around you that need you. But just like when I was at that concert, when I was at that concert, I was like, eh, that's okay. I don't want to help that guy. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I've done that while being here at Reach. And that embarrasses me. It makes me sad. I don't live in regret. All we can do is move forward. But I'd venture to guess I'm not the only one. Where maybe the Lord tells you, hey, help that person with their groceries. Well, you know, I'm kind of busy here. Anyone ever use your kids? I got three kids here. Like, they're really wild. Like, I'd have to, like, bring them along and everything. And then they'd be really talkative. And I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. But it doesn't matter because there's one priority, your calling. Even a church that was suffering big time, the number one prayer Paul had for them was for their calling to be fulfilled. Let every, every good resolve be fulfilled. Let every work of faith. That's what I want. That's what I want for reach. That's what I'm praying for you guys for. Not just as a church, each of you individually. If you're sitting in these seats, I'm going to pray it for you. And whether you like it or not, I'm going to pray it in faith. So it might just happen to you, right? I'm going to be praying that for you. And I beg you to pray it for us. Because I have said, eh, when God is like, you should do that. And the scary thing is when God stops bothering you about it. Where it's like, I, I, I don't want to help that person. God's like, okay. I dropped a prize there. You could have opened up that little gift. All right. Hmm. Um, I went to the post office one time uh, with the kids, and I had packages that I was just dropping off. And uh, I dropped them off, and there was a line of people. And there was a guy that had a cast on his leg. And James saw the guy, and he said, he said, Daddy, you know, come over here. And I'm like, okay. And he was like, that man, you know, we should pray for him. Like, we should, we should pray for his healing. And <laughs> you can't say no to that. Like, you literally can't. Like, if you say no to that, you're like, not only the worst parent ever, but you're like, you know, the worst, like, ministry person ever and i was like i was like james i was like okay man and i was floored by that because james if he knows you he'll talk your ear off if he doesn't know you he's got some he's got some fear he's got some anxiety he's got to get to know you and this little kid this was like two years ago this little kid wanted to do this and i was like all right this is happening i walk up to the guy and i said me and my son want to pray for you. Is it okay if we lay hands on you? Um, and he was like, sure. And I was like, okay. And so James and I, we get on our knees and we touch his cast. And we 
begin praying for his healing. And we pray and we pray for a while and we have all these people around us that are like, what has this place become? Like, <laughs> this is like, we're mailing packages here. And like, you know, I like to think somebody got really convicted. Like maybe they're going to like send something they shouldn't. And then they're like, oh man, I'm in the middle of church. And we didn't care. We didn't care about our image. We didn't care about looking cool. We didn't care about fitting in because there's nothing normal about touching a grown man's leg with your six-year-old son. That is not normal at all. It's just not, it's not something that you do. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, we finished praying, and he, you know, like, he seemed thankful, but it didn't, like, you know, there's nothing, like, you know, he didn't, like, you know, and, like, the cast fall off. There's nothing, like, miraculous that happened. But it was, it was good. And so I went back to the car. I didn't really, like, think a whole lot about it. And then I went back. Uh, the next time, and the lady behind the desk, she said, you know, I know that guy that you prayed for. I was like, oh. And she said, um, that meant a lot to him. He went online and he posted about it and everything. And you really touched that guy's life. And I was like, I was like, wow. Um, but this is my, <laughs> this is my last little confession here. <laughs> Make myself look as awful as possible. Um, if the Holy Spirit told me in the middle of a post office to pray for the guy's leg, I don't know if I would have said yes. But because he used my son, I did. May God make you worthy of his calling. And may he fulfill every good resolve and every work of faith by his power. If we could have the worship team come up. Hmm. Lord, we, we confess to you that we walk this out so imperfectly. And we... Ask for forgiveness for times that we said, eh, or times that we said, no, that's okay. We want to say yes. And if we don't want to say yes, then we need that first part of the prayer so bad that we would be worthy of the calling, that we would see you as an infinite treasure that is worth whatever risk. Because this life is so short, and it's like we're just sitting in a lobby waiting for the bands to start. And it's so short, and it doesn't matter what people think about us. Our image doesn't matter. Our comfort doesn't matter. All that matters at the end of the day is did we do those special little things that you told us to do? And so, God, we embrace right now this prayer request. And I pray in faith, in the name of Jesus, that every precious human heart in this room would be made worthy of their calling. And that everyone here would experience a life where you fulfill every good resolve and every work of faith for your glory. I pray that right now. I pray that. For Lepta, I pray that for Reach, we pray, God, that our hearts would be 
completely surrendered and that people's lives really would be changed. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room this morning that has not surrendered to you, that has never seen you as a treasure, that has never understood just how powerful and incredible and amazing you are, I pray, God, that they would understand that today, you say in the book of Hebrews, is the day of salvation. Today can be an incredible day of rescue. That you are telling every human heart, I'm here. And I paid the price. So turn to me. Turn away from your sin and turn to me. And I alone will give you rest. And I alone will give you life. So I pray, God, if there's anyone in this place that needs you, that has never taken that step of embracing you as Lord and Savior, that they would not leave this room today. We've got prayer people up here that um, they would love to speak with you, to pray with you. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the calling that you give each of us. May we be worthy of it and may you fulfill it in Jesus' name. Amen.